So um, we're going to talk about, I think, the fundamentals of budgeting, which is the bad B word. I think that people cringe. Dun, dun, dun. That's the real B word, right? Um, and I want to talk about why people don't track everything. I want to talk about what the emotional issues are. I want to talk about the husband-wife conversations that we yes. all love to have or don't have, why we avoid it in the first place, and then at the end of the day, what you should be diving into uh, when you start a budget. Um, I'm not going to use a specific budgeting form because I don't think that that's the point. I think the point is if you actually start looking at uh, uh, logically what your money is doing, what it's telling you, mm-hmm. I don't think it's, it's as, as hard as people think. Um, but I do want to walk through it because there are some salient points that do matter. And I, and I know for sure it does start with tracking everything. So yeah. um, I want to hear, Bryn, when you think about because I've, I've gotten to work on your budget after fighting tooth and nail against <laughs> or resisting, right? Yes. I uh, finally have been able to, to work with your budget for a better part of four to five years now. And yeah. We've known each other for nine. So I want to know why there was so much resistance up front. What was, what was holding you back to start with? Other than it being your boss. Right. So, yeah. Um, so I, th- I think you either come from the, <laughs> come from a family or the environment where money is just talked about openly and it's, it's okay. And then other people kind of think it's taboo to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like you don't talk about how much you make. You don't talk about how much you have in the bank, all of those things. And I kind of fell somewhere in the middle. It wasn't a taboo subject, but it wasn't also like something that we talked about at the dinner table. So the idea of being that transparent was so uncomfortable. And then there was like embarrassment that goes along with it too. Mm -hmm. And then that feeds into judgment Mm -hmm. of how you're spending your money and on what, and you're my boss. So it created a, Oh, hell no type reaction. <laughs> All right. So here's a better question then. So why didn't you and your husband budget then? Um, I don't know the answer then, but I, I know why. I think I know why now that we've okay. done it for so long and it is that we had no clue what we were doing. Fair. There's okay. no way we would have even, even known where to start. We okay. could have attempted and we would have done it our own way. That probably wouldn't have got us great results which means we would have stopped it shortly after. And so it wouldn't have gotten us very far. So I think that's probably the answer. I love it. Um, um, yeah. I probably hear three to five variations that, and you probably touched on two of the five, honestly. Um, first one is defeat. I, I hear a lot that mm-hmm. it wouldn't do any good. I don't make enough. There's nothing to budget. I'm living hand to mouth. Yes. I do hear that a lot, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't def- feel that way. That wasn't one of mine. Good. Um, but I do hear that. So yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I'll tell you, it's a, it's a sad one, but it's a true one. You know, the defeat side of things is it won't matter anyways. Right. right. Um, and so, uh, whether it be a young kid, you know, a 19 year old struggling to make a buy as a bartender or whether that be a starting out family or the, the family that has a young, uh, unexpected child. And so literally it's just tight. Um, I think that's a, a, the first one. The second one is that, that you actually did bring up that I hear about a lot is I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, so like you said, maybe it's a familial education or lack thereof. For, certainly our schools suck at this. Mm-hmm. Uh, school systems do not do a great job. Um, I've gotten to teach at a couple of local colleges and, and local high schools uh, over time about personal budgeting. And, and it's amazing to me just uh, how bright these kids are and how little they know about budgeting. Yeah. Right? So that's the second one. 
Third one that you did not bring up, which is good, is it's a con- control issue. So oh. a control issue is um, usually there's a primary breadwinner and uh, and there's some power that comes with that, whether we like it or not. And also there's a male-female uh, power yeah. struggle in lots of families. And so because every time, or like a lot of times there might be a, a saver and a spender. Right. And every time the saver ins- uh, confronts the spender, it becomes a problem and an and a argument. It's easier yes. to avoid. Yes. So you don't budget because God forbid we get in a fight because <laughs> yes. we, we, we whistle while we work in our, in our marriage. Um, but that's uh, an issue that comes up, the, the emotional power struggle that, mm-hmm. that comes to money. A fourth one is separation of church and state. What I mean by that is a lot of times, uh, not not all the time, but a lot of times a husband keeps his money separate, a wife keeps her money separate. <clears throat> when, yeah, I actually have a lot of friends and some family that, that operate that way. Yep. Um, and for some it works great. Right. And then others, it works great for one of yep. them. One, one of the, the people of the couple think it's a really great right. thing to do and the other one's like... No, no, this is not working. <laughs> yeah, and and I would I would lo- love to find out how many married couples, forty years married, have separate finances that weren't married more than once. I would argue that there's oh. very, 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 very few that yeah. married couples that lasted forty years that have separate finances. So, not getting into marriage, it's not a marriage yeah. counseling thing, but um, I think when you keep things separate, you're not really married. You know, if you so don't then marry- maybe the idea is some sort of blend, like. Yours, mine, and ours. Yeah, and we can talk about that, which comes to <laughs> having an actual budget, right? So we have Fact. to we have to figure yeah. that. Out. And, and and both sides should know what the other has in their little kitty pool, right? Um, oh, really? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I get when you have your side hustle, you don't want your husband to know about it. Um, uh, I was laughingly say that, but sometimes it comes down to it when the, the, with that kind of like money on the side that you squirrel away. Like mm-hmm. you want to buy a present for Christmas, you don't well, want absolutely. them to see where the money comes from, right? I literally. <laughs> would have to be like, okay, I'm about to buy your presents. Don't look at Amazon or the bank account or all the notifications you have set up that tell yep. you when. So it takes all the fun out of it. Yep. So it is, it is nice for those little things. Yeah. And the last one um, is a function of time. The, the last reason why I see people not budgeting hmm. is either time or they have so much. Now you think about it, somebody that makes a lot of income or was given a lot of assets in a, in a death or a lottery or something like that, they literally think they'll never run out of money. Oh my gosh. It's the flip yes. side. It's the flip side. It's instead of, oh my gosh. Um, I, I, I can't, you know, the number one was I, it won't help anyways. The fifth one is crap. I, I make so much money. I have so much money. My, my interest is so much. I'll never outspend it anyway. So what's the point? Absolutely. Why would I waste, waste my time? But it's a time thing or I'm too busy to do it. Yeah. So those are the reasons I see. Uh, and so like embarrassment and things like that don't come up or it never makes it to your ears. Oh, I hear, I hear the embarrassment okay. for sure. Absolutely. Okay. It's usually it takes me building a relationship over time for them to admit it, right? Yeah. Cause they never say it up front, but you can start to feel it. Um, you know, I, I have these conversations about money with employees and friends and clients all the time. And, uh, you can kind of pick it apart after, after yeah. a while. Yeah. But here's the, here's the point. Um, we talked about in our last episode the idea that people don't make changes till there's some degree of pain, mm-hmm. right? Usually that's the case. Hopefully that's not required. Hopefully it doesn't require a bankruptcy right. or um, losing a job and having to sell a house or, or foreclose or something crazy. It, hopefully it doesn't require that to make the change. But for so many it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but that change can also be finally, hey, I don't want to work forever. I want to actually work towards something. I want to work towards yeah. owning a house. I want to work towards retirement. I want to work towards something. 
And that's less of a pain thing versus a reward thing, which is great. Right. As long as the big enough reward that you really want it, people make those changes. So the step one, when it comes down to it, is when it comes down to understanding and getting money to work for you is tracking everything. Mm-hmm. Like when I mean track everything, it means that uh, every dollar in, every dollar out, every, dollar every out. interest earned, every uh, uh, interest cost on, on a credit card, it's tracking everything, which sounds exhausting. I get yep. that. It sounds exhausting, but there's some easy steps to do it um, that you and I have worked on. Yeah, years. and so. once you, I think it's it's one of those all the all the hard work mm-hmm. really is front loaded. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So once you once you get a system down, it you know it it ticks right along, mm-hmm. and it just becomes natural. So it is definitely a front loaded initiative. I feel like as far as the the hard work goes. But what took the most time for you when we started? I'm just curious. A couple of things. The first one was figuring out a really figuring out the the budget, honestly, the the forms and the best or the form and the best way to utilize the form that works for the brains that are operating the budget. <laughs> so Randy's in charge of our budget. Uh-huh. And I am so grateful that he's like literally took that over. He stepped up to the plate to do it. And, but he needed something that was going to work for him so that he could really become one with the budget form. Right. Right. And so that took a little bit of of time. The second piece that took a lot of time was the organization of it and Mm -hmm. what accounts we needed Mm -hmm. that we didn't have and what accounts we had that we didn't need and sifting through all of that. And then the third piece was really identifying what what was a must to keep uh-huh. and where all the extra stuff is is coming in and how much that was and having the conversations about what we should cut and what sacrifices we were going to make yep. and all of that. So You touched on most everything that I was hoping that you would say, uh, and we did not talk about this ahead of time. I just wanted to see what you were going to say. Um, first thing for my, my first answer is always the simplification process. Mm-hmm. Like it, when you... Um, so I've lived in my house for the last eight years, almost seven, seven and a half years. And, uh, it's amazing how much clutter can be Gosh. built up over seven years. That is you know, I, I literally just went in two weekends ago into my uh, closet and I was so fed up with everything being squished. I get my, my dry cleaning pressed and then they were so pressed together that I still had wrinkles <laughs> because wrinkles. it's so pressed together. Yes. And so I went into, I mean, this is a real thing. This is a problem, right? <laughs> real life. Okay. So I walked it's in my closet. the devil sale and, of the dry cleaner. Right? <laughs> so I, I, I walked in there and, and this one day I was fed up. I was like, screw it. I'm just going to literally every other shirt, I'm going to take two out. I'm going to pick one. I'm going to donate one to Goodwill. And I went through my entire closet and I got rid of half of it. Wow. And amazing. Uh, it's amazing how freeing that felt at the end of it. Yes. Uh, how much more room I have, how much less clutter I have. And it's the same thing with money. Yep. So you talked about um, uh, getting rid of credit cards like the Home Depot card that you, you you bought or you opened one time to get a discount on a refrigerator, right? And then you never used again. Mm-hmm. So close the damn thing, close right? It, yeah. um, you t- you you know I talked about how back in college I had in the teens <laughs> uh, credit cards. I was bouncing from one to the other. Yeah. You know, close them all, close all as many yep. of them as you possibly can. Uh, the bank accounts, you know, you really don't need, in my opinion, if you're a uh, uh, not a lot of assets starting out in, in family, more than three accounts. 
uh, two checking accounts and one savings account or two checking accounts and one money market account. That's really it. But I find people that have checking accounts and savings accounts at multiple banks, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase, and City. They have seven or eight accounts because they use that as their budgeting system to move money okay. over here for Christmas. They move money over here because they had an auto loan over there. Okay. They open up an account over here for whatever life insurance policy that they were getting. The problem is it's just clutter. Right. They all have minimum uh, balance requirements. They all have fees annually, typically, or most of them have fees annually, typically. And and if you died, it'd be a hard thing to, for your spouse to find out where all your money is, right? So simplifying, get ri- getting rid of, consolidating accounts, consolidating debts, consolidating all that stuff is super important. Um, so that's that's the the one thing, right? The second thing that you touched on was there's a w- difference between want versus need, mm-hmm. right? So you talked about how it took a long time for me to sit down with my husband and figure out like, what of this yes. do we really need? Well, what you're, what you're alluding to is a really important point in budgeting, which is understanding what your survival number is. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, and so the way you define a survival number is if you just had to make the minimum payments, if, if you're as tight as can be, what is the minimum payments for your credit cards, your car loan, your student loan, your mortgage, your rent? Mm-hmm. What is What could you get by on and really understanding fundamentally what that survival number is? Obviously, the lower the survival number is, the safer you are, right? right? From a standpoint of it just requires less for your engine to turn. Mm-hmm. Um, the bigger that is, is where the, you know, we go back to emotions. That's where angst comes from. Right. When you wake up every day and you realize, is- I can't have a sick day. Because if I had a sick day, that missing out on that one day or two days of work would be the difference of me feeding my kid or not. That's a angst. That's not healthy. That's not a good place to be. Absolutely. Um, and so really trying to figure out what that, that survival number is and slowly cut away at it or make better choices. Uh, deferred gratification comes in here, right? Yeah. Um, I love my iPhone. You know, I've got the uh, latest iPhone. Um, absolutely don't need it. It's Wait a, a second. Not you the, have the 11? Not the 11, the 10. Good. I just I was forgot the 11 just came real, out. Uh, so much fun of you if you had the 11. Yeah, no, no. I, just, that, I know that just came out. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have the almost newest. Uh, I, so it makes me o- the 10, old, old news. The 10. That makes me old news. X. The one you can look at and mm-hmm. it opens because it's face recognition. Right. No but, button. But here's the funny thing. So I'm a business owner and I would argue that having a smartphone is important for me, mm-hmm. right? Um, how many kids do you see walking around with $800, $1,000 smartphones? Probably way more than care to even think about. It's insane to go through the school systems and see what people are carrying around. Um, That's not deferred gratification. So here's a better question. You remember this for me. How long did I carry around a flip phone before I switched over to a smartphone, (laughs) even after having millions in the bank? How many years did I still carry around a flip phone? I mean, just so many. I mean... I think I finally got a smartphone six years ago because it was right before we moved into our new office. (laughs) I mean, that's literally how recent this is. It's six or seven years ago. That's um, funny. So people don't realize that, but the the longer you can put off the once, mm-hmm. because once you go to a smartphone, are you really going to go back to flip phone? You cannot go back. You will not go back. It, once you upgrade your car, you will not, you go, will back not go back yeah. until there's a p- point of pain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's a status symbol thing. People get oh, attached absolutely. to, I, I can never downgrade to a use jalopy because that would mean that I'm not successful, right? So people do have that weird mind game going. Mm -hmm. But that's a that's a really uh, fundamental problem as far as the the what's keeps people from starting. It's really boiling down to what's my survival number and really understanding that. So the last piece of the puzzle then is creating a day like what most people do, their their tracking system and why it gets overwhelming and they do it one month and they don't do it again 
is bills come in different days of the week and right. of the month, right? Yeah. Um, half of them are auto draft uh, for most people. More than half might be auto draft for a lot of people. I would imagine, yeah. So one of the problems with that is because money is always coming and going, it's like trying to you know catch jello, catch jello because you yeah. don't really have a feel for what's really happening. Um, and so if there's a $300 electric bill that's $100 out of whack, it kind of doesn't get noticed if it's about the same-ish overall in the month. Right. Well, uh, Even if you saved 100 bucks in your spending habits, but now all of a sudden, why is the electric bill $100 higher? You don't even question it because it's about the same spending each month. And if it's auto-drafted, I mean, know, you, don't know it you may not even notice right. that it was more. Yeah. So um, one thing when my mentors, uh, Todd's, uh, Todd taught me was make sure you pay your bills the same day every month. Set up all your auto drafts the same month. Sit down and reconcile everything mm-hmm. the same day every month. And that's a real good uh, tip uh, strategically just to remove the stress and the emotion of, I don't want to be thinking about money all the time. I mean, that that can really stress people out. I know I need to think about it, but once a month is enough. Once a month is enough. Once a month, sit down for an hour or two, ideally as a family. It doesn't always work that way, but ideally as a family Mm -hmm. because um, you want your spouse to understand what's going on. You want to talk about it. You you and your your husband do come in and we sit down to your budget together once a month. The the bottom line is, is that that once a month thing gives you a litmus test of on track or off track, right? Absolutely. Yes. Um, oh, I was going to say something I forgot. Okay, keep going. It's okay. I'll come back to you. Dang it. What was it? <laughs> the, um, oh, I remember uh-huh. um, the the idea of that everything in and everything out. Mm-hmm. That was, that was, it was very hard to adjust to, but there is so much freedom that comes mm-hmm. along with that, mm-hmm. that it's the reward is so worth it. It's very odd and feels very weird in the beginning. Um, but man, when everything is accounted for and you literally don't have to think about anything else. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I mean, so that was, I just remember distinctly that being just very, very different and actually having money in a checking account. Ready for it. Yeah. First ready for it. Um, but then just dropping it all the way down to zero yeah, that's right. Because it's all distributed. It's like, I mean, man, that feels good, yep. you know? Yep. So, and it also helps you make better choices because, um, you know, if you don't like the feeling, at least you can see it happening live yeah. and they can make choices for the future. Like, um, I mean, over the last five years, I've watched you. I know a lot of people have done it, but um, I remember when you were just uh, whittling down your cable bill. Like, you'd call yeah. in and just argue with them to get an extra 50 bucks off your cable bill. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality is, is, that's because you were a little bit irritated with the spending habits, right? Right. Not because you had to, but because you just wanted to at that point, which is a change of philosophy yeah. and approach. Um, well, you've always talked about making it a game. It is a game. Making it a game, yeah. right? Um, and so if you look at it from that standpoint and you get to a point where you're budgeting not out of um, of absolute need or, or you know, you're not in a really negative place anymore Mm -hmm. and you're kind of on your way up and figuring out, okay, you've got the money to pay the bills. You're maybe saving a little bit. Then you can really start to like invest in the game. And so calling the cable companies and really like, Ooh, last month or three months ago, I wasn't willing to let go of that tanning membership, Mm -hmm. but man, that would really help my game. Now you look at everything from a different Viewpoint. Yep. That's, and so it's, you know, it's 
I love that. changes everything. I love that you actually smile. I believe that it's a game for you now. I mean, good. be clear. I did not get rid of the membership. <laughs> that has not happened. But That's funny. <laughs> um, so uh, going back to the, the tracking everything, um, one thing you brought up was it's really difficult at the beginning. It kind of feels weird when you're trying to do the same day. Mm-hmm. Um, and people will argue with me all the time, well, I can't do the same day because my mortgage payment's right. due on the 15th and my car payment's due on the 28th and my credit card's due on the 25th or whatever. It, it, believe it or not, you can pay anything early. <laughs> shocking it, it's weird like it doesn't require you to wait to the 15th <laughs> right. um, and actually if you, you can call, also pay you right can you move if, the date right and that's the thing is if you actually call a credit card company or a car loan company and mm-hmm. say hey listen my paychecks work better for me to pay on this date can you adjust it they will they it's will. weird they yeah. want their money yeah um, but it takes the time to just make it, those phone calls and make those changes yep. and that's all the upfront right. like one of the hardest things is getting all of that getting stuff done. done and you got to look at what day your paychecks drop in mm-hmm. right so if, especially if your salary you're you know maybe you're the first and 15th or this or the first and third week of the month or every other week, whatever it is. So you want to make sure that whatever those draft dates are, are clearly after your deposit dates. Correct. So you don't get yourself in some late fee troubles, but, um, but it can be done. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's worth the work and it's worth its weight in gold mm-hmm. because when you really get it done now, now you look at it as the, the cycle of the payments themselves makes the accounting of it much easier. Right. Cause imagine, and you've, you've already seen this, but for the viewers, imagine if, you sat down on the 15th of every month because that's the date that you chose and everything is is, uh, is being paid out on the 14th and your normal deposits on the 10th and you just open up your bank statement and you already see my $1,000 rent payment went out, my $400 car payment went out, my $250 school loan payment went out, my uh, $300 for my credit card minimum balance went out and I added an additional 500 bucks to, to reduce the debt. It's in a, a total accounting of it in one spot, right? Now... You have to go to the next step, which is you got to peel back the onion a little bit on the credit cards. Because I get that credit cards are here to stay. Right. I get that most people are not going to switch over to the cash system, although most people need to be on a cash system. Mm-hmm. We talked about that in the last episode. Um, but just because your credit card bill is payable, even if you're paying it in full, doesn't mean that you have a grip on your money. So you actually have to look at your credit card statement and look at what's really cool about them these days is that the state, the statements usually in the online accounting, it'll show you what's going to gas, what's going to food, what's going to entertainment, what's going to whatever categories. If you just open it up and there's always almost all credit cards now have an annual statement that if you just print, open that up and print it, that's pretty cool. Well, they're trying to be really nice credit card companies. They're still screwing you, but whatever. It makes you feel better about yourself, <laughs> makes you right? Feel better. Um, so, so that's the thing is you got to open that up and look at it because you can't uh, throw out the good with the bad. And there's certain things we don't even realize we're spending or our spouse is spending money on uh, mm, realistically. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you an example. So, um, I had a, I knew what my survival number was very early on with my wife and I. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I, it was very low because I focused on deferred gratification we've talked about. And so I was well uh, outliving. I was, I was, my living was above my, sorry, my income was above what I needed yeah. by a long shot. So my survival number was low, but here comes some kids. Turns out I've never, never had kids before. Um, and there goes right, all the right, money. Right, right. Uh, I had a, a very unrealistic expectation <laughs> of what it takes for, to raise one child, let alone three now. Yeah. Right. Um, what the real costs associated with, a child are from healthcare costs to feeding the little buggers 
to <laughs> good catch, right, good catch. <laughs> I said buggers. That's why I um, said good catch. <laughs> so feeding them to you know now my kids are in elementary and middle school. It's amazing how many like dress up days they have that they have to dress up in pink or yes. they have to you know. Uh, dress up like a freaking cowboy or whatever. <laughs> and my wife is Theme running days. back and forth to <laughs> yeah. Target or Walmart to get something. And it's like, well, if I want my kids to participate, oh, even down to what sports cost. I had no idea what the cost of yeah. sports outfits are, playing club ball or whatever. Yeah. It's uh, insane what those extra costs are until you actually sit down and look at them. But yeah. that's that's where some conflict comes. Um, but you have mm-hmm. to go through the conflict to get to uh, a, 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 you know, a, a good resolution at the end. For sure. So let's move into, because I want to understand for you and your husband, because I know you guys have worked on this a lot. I so, wish Randy was here. I, I need to give full props and full disclosure that Randy has really been the one that took the bull by the horns and made it happen. He's the one that agreed to actually do it right. um, while I was in denial and was the person that showed up for the first year of meetings because I was like, yep. I'm not doing it. I'm, avoidance. I'm not avoidance. going there. Yeah. A little bit of it was um, avoidance. Well, actually we had moved past avoidance because if you remember, we actually had Jen Hernandez help us for a year. Right. Because you didn't want me to I didn't want you. you to do it. I remember that. And so when you and Randy decided behind my back <laughs> that you were going to be our new budget coach, um, I said, I'm out. Y'all go, y'all do. Yep. I'll jump back in in a year. And a lot of that, you know, came, there's a couple of reasons for that. But, um, anyway, so Randy gets the props. I'll give Randy the props. He shows up every time. He didn't like it at the beginning, but he's very good at it. He's very he good. Is. At it. He's very he good absolutely at it. is. Yeah. Um, so this is what I want to get into is cause I know I had my own uh, conflict around this. I know you guys did as well. So it turns out men and women spend money differently. Yeah. Right. And what we, perceived to be needs are different, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, haircuts cost less money for men than they do for women, it turns out. It's really weird. Um, we I think Josh typically, almost witnessed a divorce in right? his office over a haircut once. Right. <laughs> um, and, I, and so I'm assuming that because it happened with you and I, with our spouses, that there might be other people listening that Probably it might apply so, yeah. to. So my, my question then is, um, how do you come to... Um, an agreement about what's appropriate for each of you to spend. And once you come to that agreement, what tip or tactic do you guys use so that it doesn't come up again, at least for six months or a year? So, um, for us, it's out for, I've always said, give me the rules of the game and I will, I'll play by the rules. 90 five percent of the time I'll play by the rules. So <laughs> winning. It's winning. So I think the first thing is um is that is establishing the rules. And by rules I mean um how much money can I spend right. each month. Mm-hmm. And in that, what does that include? So we get each one of us gets an allowance. Um and so we get to use that on whatever we want. Mm-hmm. So then the next, the first argument came up with what, what I should be or what he should be, what we should be spending that money on. And there were some big differences there. Mm -hmm. And so I think, so the first thing is establish how much money each person's going to get, then go deeper about what that includes. Mm -hmm. So, um, if it's groceries for one person or if my if if hair is supposed to come out of that budget, that needs to be talked about because what's going to happen is you're not going to have enough money 
in your monthly allowance. So you're either going to immediately start breaking the rules Mm -hmm. because which doesn't work, which doesn't work and it causes problems. Distrust Mm -hmm. and lack of a team player. And it could halt the whole system altogether. It could put you right back into that place of nothing's ever going to work. So, so why bother? So why bother? Like, yeah, yeah, sure. We just did all this work and the first rattle out of the, out of the hat, you break the rules. So why are we doing this? So that's, that's really bad. Um, so identifying very clearly what's going to come out of there and then adjust the budget accordingly on those, on those months. So, you know, if it's hair for an exam, as an example, I, you know, my hair appointments are every 12 weeks, so I don't need that amount every month, but on those months, mm-hmm. doesn't have to be the full amount, but maybe we put more, a little bit more in my account I can spend a little less. And so then there's a nice compromise. Um, But then also who is going to be in charge of buying birthday gifts for the birthday parties that the kids are invited to? Is that a household account Mm -hmm. or is that a one or the other account? Right. Um, So I think that's the, that's a really good, there's just some personal things that we came into that helped, you know, get us over the hump and keep going. I love it. Um, we, my wife and I had very similar issues when we started off. So I am the saver. My wife is the spender. She would probably argue differently now, but I'm going back to where we started. Right. And, um, what, it, I mean, we, we battled when I say we battled, it was not good. <laughs> I was getting coaching advice about, um, the need to do budgeting. I was getting mentorship advice and I knew fundamentally, like I didn't want to work forever. My, my original goal was I was going to uh, save a million bucks and retire um, and be a, a fisherman for the rest of my life. I don't know if you ever knew that. I was going to be a, a professional fisherman. All right. Um, and uh, that's what I wanted to do. Um, I don't anymore, actually. It's really interesting. I have no interest in being a fisherman. I would love to see you sit on a boat. Oh, I can do that. For Oh, hours. I can do that. All day, every day? Yeah, I could do that. Really? I, I could. Well, I'd rather hunt. But uh, yeah, fishing I could certainly do. Because it's a... Uh, it's a spiritual event for people that just enjoy being in nature. Right. right. Um, so for that purpose, I could do it, but you're right. I'm not a sit still kind of person in general. Um, but what I was going to say is that, um, you know, going back to some level of power incorrectly, this is me failing as an early husband, right? Um, my wife was a school teacher. I'm a, a, a starting off salesperson. Um, I out earned my wife. I felt that, because my background is finance and economics, because I earn a little bit more money than what my wife, then I can establish the rules and you're just going to follow them. So I'm just, <laughs> this is me being a stupid 24 year old. Um, but it's the truth. It's and, the truth. And, yeah. And, I mean, it just is. Yeah. And, and I've seen it the other way. I've seen women mm-hmm. exert the power as well, being yeah. a, uh, the primary breadwinner or whatever, but, uh, or just because of the saver. And it's just like, listen, if you want to come to bed with me at night, you're going to listen to my rules. I mean, it's right. the truth. Yeah. Um, but so we, we had these battles and, and I remember uh, I would apply the, you only need, you only need, you only need conversation too mm-hmm. often, right? Well, what my wife finally verbalized one time, and I'll never forget is that, uh, that she used the word finally that I feel like you're controlling me, yeah. right? Which as a husband is a really horrible thing to hear your spouse say. Um, and so I sat back for a while after I pouted and through my own temper tantrum. Mm-hmm. And then finally I came back and said, listen, out of curiosity, um, how much money do you think you need to be able to spend for you to not feel controlled? Not feel controlled. That was yeah. the question, right? Mm-hmm. And so what's interesting is, and um, 
for those viewers that haven't heard me speak before, I apologize. I might occasionally drop a curse word. <laughs> we established a fuck off money. Like, yeah. like what well, that's the accounts. So when I said earlier, you've got to have um, maybe two checking accounts and then one savings or money one market savings. account, uh, three tops, and then a checking savings account. What that what I mean by that is what we decided to do is we'd have all our money deposited into one account. So we had three and, and one is what, what our mm-hmm. what ours looked like. All of our money got deposited into one account. Okay. So her teaching salary, my sales income went into this one account. From that, we paid all joint bills, all right? Bills, Which right? is us being married. So yeah. our rent, our electricity, our cars, our all that stuff. That would be a normal split thing because we're married right. for the love of God. Like it's ours. It's ours, yeah. But then what we did is we would say, okay, honey, uh, you need more than me because women need right. more, in my yeah. opinion. No, I, I, I totally agree with that. So we literally, our ratio was three to one. Nice. Uh, but uh, we took a couple hundred bucks from me that I put into my account because I do like to hunt and fish and I do like to have a couple of drinks here and there. Right, right. Yeah. But then we'd take three times whatever we agreed on at the time. And it changed over time. We, we dialogue about this about every six months or 12 months. And as our incomes change, obviously sure. you can change that budget, but a couple hundred bucks to me, a couple hundred bucks more to her. And that money went to, into these accounts that I didn't have to get pissed. Like literally I couldn't fight the emotional. You spent $200 on right. a haircut. Are you exactly. kidding me? Like, like something t- people will just never understand. Never, never. Like and and so just the don't emotional, try. yeah, the, the, like, if you're a saver and you see something like that when you're starting out, it's you're wasting money. Right. So to remove that, yeah. I needed it out of sight, out of mind. So that's what we did is we created those, those F off accounts. Yeah. Uh, this is yours. You can spend, it's a budgeted amount. It's a track Absolutely. amount. So it's on the, I know how yeah. much is going in there, but I'm not going to tell you how to spend that because mm-hmm. she didn't want to feel controlled. I didn't want to control her. Right. Right. But at the same time, if I wanted to buy a whatever toy that I wanted to buy, if I saved enough over here, I'd go buy it. And she couldn't say you, cause what she would do is throw things back in my face. Well, right. you bought a, a hunting rifle, right? Right. Yeah. You did this. You, you did bought that, so, and so, what, right. A... And so if, but if I did that by saving four months, five months, six months in a row, because I wasn't blowing my F off money, money, right. Then she didn't have a problem with it. And so it solved a lot of the emotional, uh, conversations that typically would derail 100%. The family budget in the first place mm-hmm. and made you feel more disaligned than aligned. Um, that's how we fixed it. And, yeah. and, and I know that you guys do the same it's thing. Very similar, you know yeah. that you get this much money a month. Mm-hmm. You know that uh, Randy's never going to question you on what you do with that. Right. Uh, you're not going to feel judged. My wife's not going to feel controlled. That's, I think, a really fun. If you're having that issue, if somebody's listening and, and has that issue currently, that's what you've got to do. Absolutely. 100%. The answer, in my opinion, is you don't split your money. I still don't understand why husband and wives would have two separate accounts. Literally, unless you had a prenup to start start that way. Hmm. Literally. Or you've already been divorced two or three times, so it doesn't work for you a lot. Yeah. I've um, seen... I mean, I have... Like I said, I have friends and, and some family that that do it very successfully, mm-hmm. very successfully. And then others that it's just really unhealthy, mm-hmm. really unhealthy. So um, I think it's it all goes back to the tracking in the first place mm-hmm. and really being clear about what the expenses are mm-hmm. and then being respectful about if one person makes more than the other, make sure there's that's accounted for in some way and split the bills and are they even and, yeah. and who's going to be responsible for what? Yep. So I think the successfulness comes from the balance and not one person mm-hmm. feeling like, well, why do I have to take 
all of all of these things when they make more than me. Right. Those so so it's just interesting because I've seen it work really really yeah. well, and then obviously in the on the flip side, so. Yeah, so I think we've uh, pulled that one back. I mean, the bottom line is to wrap up that por- portion of the conversation. You know, if you stick your head in the ground and you avoid mm-hmm. the necessity, the conversation of a budget, the necessary conversation of buzz- budget, excuse me, then you are not getting yourself any further ahead, and you're probably right. hurting your marriage at some level, and you're probably going further behind. You're not staying stable. Um, so, if we believe that I will be better off, my family will be better off. Uh, in the future, if we finally go through this conflict, then the name of the game is communication and conflict. Just make sure it's a healthy one, right? Um, the way that I finally seeded Christy into this concept of um, of budgeting, because she hated that word for so many years, mm-hmm. hated it, hated it for probably at least three years of her marriage or first three years, it was a real sticking point, right? Yeah. What's interesting is the way I got her around that um, was we started talking about what we both want out of life, right? Like, what are your goals? Yeah. What are your, what's your vision? What do you see the future looking like? And I let her unravel all the things that, you know, I was like, really, I didn't know that you wanted three kids. I only <laughs> wanted two kids. I didn't know that we, maybe we should talk about this stuff. Right. Oh, um, but, fun. but you know, she, uh, one thing that came up is she wanted to be a stay at home mom. And I wanted, you know, I was not wanted, I kind of thought she was gonna be a working mom. Yeah. Right. Um, she wanted, uh, it's like, all the things that like you really should like have conversations about before, before you, you get married. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we can also air this on like, you know, marriage prep shows right. too. Right? right. Because it's true. It's weird. The things that you just don't ever even think about as an engaged couple. Yep. You just don't. Yep. All you care about is that you are the bee's knees I love you. Uh, let's get hitched. That's what women think. Men are thinking something different. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's you look like good in that, honey. All, let's go home right all now. All <laughs> logic is like, I mean, there's just zero logic when right. it comes to it. So it's so funny. So what's funny is that um, as I unraveled what my wife wanted out of life, like what she saw her, our future looking like as old people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all then I had to do was say, well, here's what I'd like. Like, so um, I didn't want to work forever. Like, it's great that you want to stay at home, honey. But I'd like to not work for an extra 20 years for you to stay home, right? Which is a fair conversation. And when you start talking about that openly, it's like, okay, well, how can we have both? So we're going to lose your $50,000 of income as a teacher. You're going to stay home. We're having three kids instead of two. All of you cost money, right? Right. Um, Then I need your help. Can you help me accomplish my goal? Because I want to help you accomplish your goal. I just want to be able to retire at age 50 or 55. I want to be able to. In order to do that, we need to track everything. In order to accomplish that, we must save money. In order Mm -hmm. to do that, we must say no to some wants that aren't needs. I love that. that. I think that's a great conversation. And so once we finally went through what you want out of life, what I want out of life, and how those mix, Mm -hmm. then I was able to get what actually came out of it is in our agreed on budget, she got more per month for F off money Mm -hmm. than I originally would even believe is possible. Like, are you kidding me? Kind of conversation too. Okay. Well, if you, if, if this is, if you get this amount of money, I'm not going to have any grief at all. Yeah. And the rest of it, as long as you stay within this parameter, I can make sure that I'm stocking away money for retirement so that I can one day have what I want out of life. Right. Um, that's really how we turned the corner. That, that was, that was the conversation. It only took three years of conversations to get there. I mean, it takes a long time. It does. It does. It does. And I think that's the general theme through all of these conversations yeah. is that everything that we're talking about is not 
one year in the making. It's not nope. six months in the making. Nope. I mean, gosh, Randy and I have been working on this for five years, I think. Five, I yep. mean, so, and you obviously much longer. It's just, I mean, it's a marathon. Yep. It is a marathon. And so let's finish up with the, okay, so I finally get you, Josh, Bryn, I, I, I'm going to try to do a budget. Okay. So I'm going to have the conversation with my spouse or by myself. I'm going to do a budget. What, what, what do I need to be tracking? Okay. Mm-hmm. So the one, two, three, four, five, the most important things are as follows. Number one, we already covered the survival number. You really just need to understand each month, what exactly do you need minimum to survive? Right? So, uh, and, and in the last podcast, if you go back, the reason for that is to know how much money you need to have in a float account right? so that you have some safety and security so you're not constantly dipping into credit cards and debt. So that's the first thing, okay? The, the second thing was make sure you track everything the same day in full. Not almost, not I think. Open up your credit card statement, dissect it, how much you spend on gas, how much you spend on food, how much you spend on eating out versus eating at home, right. how much you spend on the kids or daycare or whatever, but break it all out. So you've got to get that done uh, in the tracking everything uh, and paying everything the same day, right? Mm-hmm. The third thing that you have to have is you have to have a savings goal. There must be... So going back to the game, like how do you make this a game? Because spending money is not fun, right? Right. And sometimes we feel defeated when we spend more than we made that month. That does happen. Mm-hmm. But you have to have an established savings goal. And so I want to talk about this for just a second because um, at the end of the day, if you're net worth doesn't improve year over year, then something has to change. Right. Right. So the way we define net worth is increase your assets or decrease your liabilities, increase the money in the bank or equity and properties or decrease the, the debts that you owe other people. Right. Both of those things together, added together, equal your net worth. Most people's net worth is negative. I, pe- and I, I love looking at that number yep. because it is a, it is an overall picture. Yep. It's not the balance on a checking account. It's mm-hmm. not the balance of, of an investment account. Yep. It's everything. It's mm-hmm. your house. It's, it, it's such a, for me, it's a healthy number to look at mm-hmm. because it's, it's big picture yep. overall. And so that's a really, I loved that transformation too. Yeah. And people like, I remember going to my financial planner and a guy for one of the two guys I work with, the guy's name is Ron. And I remember I sat down with Ron when I'm 23 years old and I sit down and, and mind you, I'm a brand new commission salesperson and I make no money. Like let, that's just the starting point of my relationship with Ron. <laughs> he's like and winning. It, right. <laughs> and he's like, great. You're going to waste an hour of my time, but he's actually a fabulous guy. And, and I sit down mm-hmm. with him. He said, Josh, I want you to start setting aside 50 bucks a month. And I remember leaving there thinking, why the hell would I send us like 50? I can't retire on 50 bucks a month. I might as well have fun with 50 bucks a month, right? Right. But I listened to my financial planner and I know intuitively is right. So you start saying it's not 50 bucks a month. And when you start doing that as a, there's your savings goal. My first savings goal was 50 bucks a month, right? And you start realizing that you can totally live on, you know, not getting the 50 bucks. Um, Obviously, if you have 401k options, if you work Mm -hmm. for a company, it's better to do it there for other reasons we'll get into later in the podcast. Mm -hmm. But starting somewhere with per month, how much you're going to save because it's just about creating the habit of saving in the first place. That's the key. Um, You have to start creating some sort of critical mass. And I remember when I was talking with Ron, and it's hard to to picture this as a 22-year-old, 23-year-old, but literally last month, last month I sat down at lunch with him. And he, we relive this exact conversation. He said, Josh, what you don't understand is that the 50 bucks a month will turn into 100 bucks a month. The 100 bucks a month will turn into 500 bucks over time. 
And what's going to happen one day is you're going to get a critical mass in the bank. When you have a critical mass in the bank, the interest on all those little $1,500 bills that added up will be something that you'll be astounded by. That interest yeah. that you make per month on the critical mass will be how you retire. And I remember that's... thinking conception is like, okay, I get that. Every book I've ever read in finance tells me that's the truth, but I don't feel that right now at age 23. Right. right? It's so disconnect. And, There's such um, a disconnect. Yeah. And so, um, you know, uh, last month in a month's interest, you know, the interest earned on my assets in one account were something that I was jaw dropping to me. You know, wow. it's like, oh my God, like that's possible in a month. Okay. I can that's see so why, cool. why you're able to retire and why the critical mass thing is so yeah. important. Right. Um, so it, but it starts with the 50 bucks. It starts with the habit. Right. It starts with the game of, can I, okay, I'm, I'm setting aside a hundred bucks out of my paycheck that goes to 401k. Do I feel it? If you don't, Go to 150, go to 200, right. go to 250. Keep turning up that volume. Uh, a great example that you can do, like can keep playing with that, uh, make it the game is your mortgage or your rent, right? Not with rent, yeah. but with mortgage for sure. So I have the conversation all the time with clients that say, you know, hey, my my rent right now or my mortgage right now is 1200 bucks. You know, I, I think I want to go to 1800 bucks. I, I think I can afford that now and yeah. buy a better house, right? And I say, cool, uh, start paying 1800 bucks a month on your current mortgage. Because here's the thing. I mean, thing. it's just the smartest thing to do. It's, and it's if it makes like, you want to like, bleh. right. But here's the point right now, if you start paying 1800 bucks in your current mortgage, it's all savings, it's all going to equity in yeah. your property is reduction of debt. So your net worth is going up. And then if you panic and you can't do it, guess what? You can bow back out to 1200 bucks and it doesn't cost you like it. Yeah. You're, you're still paying your mortgage on time. Mm -hmm. So practice on your existing mortgage. You don't practice on, I hope I can make it work on the new house, but it's just a really, yeah. but it's, that's the game of turn up the notch and pay a little bit extra towards your equity. Mm -hmm. If you've got a house as an example, um, if you're, if you're in a rent situation, then if you're paying a thousand dollars a month, then take and you think I want to buy a house and I can have a $1,200 mortgage, I think. Then start saying 200 bucks aside into a bank, uh, into yeah. an account, which will be your down payment eventually uh, for the house. But start paying 1200 bucks right why now. You are, that's why you're the host. <laughs> that's it right there. Just but so, it's just, just so smart. It's just set it yeah. aside and start doing it. You practice on yourself. You don't practice on debt. That, right. that, that's what people tend to do, unfortunately. So I think the other thing too is understanding um, where, what your own personal pitfalls are. Oh, yeah. And so if you, know that you want to save and have every intention of saving, but for some reason you just can't push the button that moves the money into a savings account, yep. then create a way that it happens without you having to make the decision. I love that you said that. So uh, the number one and number two places of wealth in America are in equity and properties and in 401ks. 401ks. Do you know why? Because they rock. Uh, because you don't see you it don't happen. See it. Like see it happen, when yeah. you make your mortgage payment, this much goes to interest, but this much goes to your equity savings account. Yeah. When you have a 401k, the money never hits your bank account. It goes directly to the 401k. Bypass, so you yeah. don't process that as being your money. And so it's easy because it just builds exactly. itself over time. Yep. Right. Um, so, uh, one way that you can do this is while I do not like automatic drafts for paying bills, I do like automatic drafts for savings. So yeah. when you create this goal of I want to save 250 bucks or 500 bucks a month, awesome. Then if your deposits are on the 15th of the month, then on the 16th of the month, pay yourself through an automatic deposit over to whatever investment vehicle, to your money market yeah. account, to somewhere where it's out of reach. Why I like those money market accounts or savings accounts, I want it to be something that you can't touch today. 
you have to transfer the funds, which makes you think about it so that you you can do it tomorrow. You can transfer the money, you know, overnight or whatever. And by tomorrow you have access, but I don't want you to have access to the money right now. It just, we slow your roll. Absolutely. That's the whole deal. Absolutely. um, So yeah. So the, the, the third one was what's, what's your savings goal per month, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and the savings goal, in my opinion, I, I define it a little differently than some people. This is a combination of what you're going to put into your savings account as well as reduction of debt. Um, I, that was a big aha for me too. Right. Like, um, reduction of debt is still building your net worth, yeah. right? So if it's, I want to save quote unquote 500 bucks a month, it can be 250 to my savings, 250 to debt reduction, as long as you didn't charge another 250 on that credit card. Or like one. you're not saving money if you increase your credit card balance and then just pay it back down to even. Like that's what not saving. What if you uh, charge two fifty on another credit card? I love where you're going with this, <laughs> and I would still fire you if you're my financial planner. <laughs> so uh, if your net worth is improving, yeah. because that's the savings that you're looking for. But that's the game, right? Um, I'm going to go into a rule that I was taught years ago, and this would be the fourth one that is such a good goal to have long term when it comes to savings. Um, it's the rule of 30, 30, 10, 30. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most important things I've ever learned. Um, but it really comes down to what your, 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 uh, what your income should be divided between the forced, the chosen yeah. and the I'd like tos. Mm-hmm. The rule of 30, 30, 10, 30 was taught to me by a mentor and in a different way by a janitor. And I'll tell that story at a different time. 30% of, of every bit of money that comes in off the top on average must go to the government first. Like you don't have a choice, right. whether you're self-employed or you're, or you're, uh, 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 uh salaried 30% roughly is going to go to taxes. Okay. The goal long-term should be saving 30%, 30% per month, yeah. which sounds like an impossible number for everybody that I talk to when we start doing budgeting. It is a goal long-term 5% is better than zero. <laughs> But the or, goal is or, the 30. Or I hear the opposite. It doesn't seem like an impossible goal. It's like, okay. And then they there's no Just do it tomorrow. there's no connection to what that, that number is. Yeah. That's and true. So then it's like, oh, well, that just doesn't work. Right. That doesn't work. Right. I can't do that. And so it tail spins you right back in yep. to, well, you know, it's already a setback. This is the aha piece of it though, because if we've got 30% to taxes and we've got 30% as the goal for savings of whatever your gross income is. Um, 10%, you know, if you're spiritual or not, you know, I do believe take care of people around you. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, whether you call 10% tithing or maybe this is the fluff, if you don't believe in tithing, no problem, 10% more to living or 10% more to savings, but Mm -hmm. there's 10% for a lot of people that the goal is to give the last 30% though is what's left over. Well, if I already gave away 30% to government and 30% to savings and 10% to other people. That means in theory that I've got to live off of, in theory, in theory, I've got to live off of 30 cents of every dollar that I earn. Yeah. And when you do most people's personal budgets, whether they uh, make a million dollars a year or they make $20,000 a year, most people outlive that 30%. Yeah. Yeah. That's the keeping up with the Joneses mentality. It's the, I need an iPhone when I'm 18 years old. It's the, I, I trade in my car every three years. It's the... Um, uh, I don't like to cook at home, so I'm going to eat out every single morning, noon, and night. That's the mentality that comes. And so when you look at it and you say, okay, I make uh, $10,000 family income. My husband and wife, they make 10000 a month. Mm-hmm. You're telling me I've got to live off of 3000 Yes. 
If you do that forever, you will die a millionaire for sure. I don't care if you make nothing right now. I don't care if you make a lot of money. So there's a story I'll tell you about two of my, this is where this all came. The mentor told me that 30, 30, 10, 30, the janitor told me the same thing at the same time as I did two loans. So here's the two loans. I did a loan for a, a cardiac surgeon. Okay. A cardiac surgeon uh, that literally had a salaried income of over 800000 is just shy of $900,000 a year. So this guy is the prototypical rich guy, right? Um, he barely qualified for a loan during the liar loan days wow. because every dollar that he was going to earn for the next 25, 30 years was accounted for with his primary house, his second home, his multiple cars um, that were not like cheap cars, right. his boats, his private planes, all these things, he every dollar he's going to earn for the next thirty years was accounted for. And two days before we close on his home loan, there was a new debt that popped up. I'll never forget. It was like a hundred and forty thousand bucks new debt, like eighteen hundred dollars a month, which is about how much this investment property loan he was trying to get was, and. I was like blown away. I called him up. I said, dude, why is there a new hundred, you know, over a hundred thousand dollar debt showing up in your credit? It's like, oh, my daughter turned 16. I got her a Porsche. And I was like, oh, so this is a guy that, that we would dream of. The average person on the street would dream of a salary like this. Yeah. Um, and he was one of the poorest guys I've ever done a loan for in my life. Okay. You juxtapose that. never be able to stop working. If he does, he's going to go bankrupt for sure. He has to have that income. He is literally not working to live. He's living to work. Yeah. He ha- does not have the choice. I love that you pointed that out. So you juxtapose that against the very next loan that I did a loan for. And this is early on my career. This is 24, 25. The very next loan that I did a loan for was a janitor from a small town in Texas. I don't want to say where because people would probably know who this guy is. Uh, but he's a janitor from a small town in Texas. And he comes in and... um I'm looking through his stuff and he's asking permission to buy. I love that he asked permission to buy a a half million dollar house, putting $250,000 down. And I'm thinking about this to myself. And this guy's been a janitor for over 30 years. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, I was like, okay, um, this is kind of weird. And I look at the checking statement, like checking account statement, and I'm not promoting what he did, but he literally had like $6 million in a checking account. Which, by the way, is not protected by the FDIC at that level. So that's why I say, do you don't want it all in checking? It's right. making no interest. <laughs> but he did have millions of dollars in a checking account. And he's asked me permission to buy a half million dollar home, doing 250 down. And so I asked the normal questions. I asked the basics, which are, uh, did you win the lottery, right? Because you're yeah. a janitor. And he said, no. And I said, okay, uh, are you a drug dealer? And he said, no. And I said, did you inherit the money? And he said, no. And we live in Texas. I said, do you have oil royalties? And he said, no. I said, okay, you are Yoda. <laughs> I'm here to learn. Tell me the truth, Yoda. How did you, Show how do you have all this rage. money? Show me your and he's the one that told me that exact same concept of 30, 30, 10, 30. You know, he started saving 30, uh, 30% of his income 30, 35 years ago when he was just a single janitor going door to door trying to get, you know, 30 years ago, you probably only pay a janitor maybe 50 bucks, 100 bucks a day, maybe yeah. if you're a company, right? Um, so you take it from there and now he's got a, a small company, I think at the time, so this is going back a few years, but I want to say like six or seven employees working for him. So it's still a very much a small business. But for the whole 30, 35 years, he literally has been saving 30% every single month. And so you look at end of life stuff, end of career stuff, 
he's sitting on six million bucks in cash. Right. In cash. So what I love about that is he has six million dollars in a checking account, which right. which shows that there is no um like fancy, you know. I don't want to say education, but there's not a, a super sophisticated understanding nope. of money. Nope. So he just that knew mean, he wanted to save. Exactly. And so what that means to me is it doesn't take that. Yep. It doesn't take that. You can love you save that. money no matter what. Yep. It's just about controlling yourself yep. and setting goals and just working, working hard to get to them. So I just think that's super cool. I love that you said that because um, I've always thought, uh, looking back, money is way more simple than we make it. Oh. Right. It's it's yeah. uh, at what age do you learn how to add and subtract? Right. Like literally. I mean, my my seven year old kid, six year old kid in, in kindergarten and, and first grade For was sure. one, you learn how to add and subtract. Yeah. That is saving. That's mm-hmm. how complicated this is. Right. But what we the problem is is that we have so much clutter in the mm-hmm. closet. We have so much crap going on in our lives. We have so many different bills coming in from different directions at different amounts at different times. Right. And we have different deposits. You get a you know you get a tax refund randomly in the year. You um get paid multiple times a month and so does your spouse and um and then of course we have emergencies at random times that we don't choose the timing ever. Mm-hmm. So it gets complicated only from a standpoint of we don't sit down to follow the steps of tracking right. everything on the same day every month. But once you just get to that point, it is just pluses and minus signs. It is. is And and I also think that at that point, you are able to remove a lot of the emotion that make it complicated because it's in the, like you said, it's, it's addition and subtraction. The thing that makes it complicated is the emotions that are attached to the pluses and minuses. And so, and especially if you don't really know where all of that is coming from. So if you can track it, see it, at least it's still, there's still an emotional connection to it, Absolutely. but at least it removes a layer of it. At least it starts shedding some of those emotions. So you can just look at the numbers and this has been really true for me. Like I said, it's always been a super, super emotional, uh, topic for me, even when it comes, not just my, well, it is my money, but not just like my saving habits and spending habits, like even like how much money I make and like how much, like anytime Mm -hmm. we have to talk about money Mm -hmm. from a professional standpoint, Mm -hmm. like you can just count that there might, I like my eyes will fill up with tears. I don't know why it's, I'm getting better. I am getting better. Um, I can have conversations about it because I, I can see the facts on the budget. Yep. And so therefore it's just a number mm-hmm. and that's it. Yep. So it's, it's interesting. There's a lot, there's just so many different layers that, that come yep. into the budgeting, which I think is what you said in the beginning anyway. Yep. And, um, so with that math and, uh, you know, with the math, when we, we put that game out there of save 30%, you know, if you're wondering, how do you know, all you got to do is divide how much you've saved year to date divided by, what your, what your income is year to date, and that gives you a percentage rate. Yeah. So, you know, you save a thousand bucks in a month and you had $10,000 of income in a month, you save 10%. That's really as, as, as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. Goal is 30. Work towards the goal. Um, you do not have to win every inning right. to win a series. You have to win most of the innings to win the series. Which is where that net worth number comes exactly in. Exactly right. And, yeah. and so, you know, do, d- does life happen? Yes. yes. And it turns out deductibles and insurance suck. 
And it's until always, you hit them. Right. Until you hit them. <laughs> um, but there's still going to be, you know, two to $10,000 of deductibles that are randomly yeah. going to catch people at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to win those innings and in savings. But that what that means is you got to be super dialed in in the good months, in the normal months. And the, the normal months should always have savings. The normal months should always have yeah. savings so that you can uh, uh, withstand the storm when the storm comes because the storm is going to come. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I love, uh, no, Just uh, from a standpoint of it, you know, yeah. this is um, – I, I, I like that you went there because, you know, you just really never know what the future – is going to bring. Mm-hmm. You really don't. And so we started this journey of savings and, you know, getting our budget organized four to five years ago. And then Weston was diagnosed two years ago. Well, and throw on uh, uh, husband employment at the same time. Absolutely. Right. And so that the things that type one alone brought as from an expense standpoint um, and employment, I mean, it was it was so demanding. Wesson's type one was so demanding in the beginning that Randy there, he, Randy could not, no, no way. He, he couldn't, he could not work. And especially in the, in the capacity that he was, you know, the, the hospitality industry is, is hard and he would work far away from the house. And so one of us had to be available to, yeah. to be there for Weston. And so that left, you know, me working with all these new bills and, you know, um, just all the expenses that come along with it. And thank God, thank God we had been working on it, honestly, because it could have been really, 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 really bad, really bad. And so if for nothing else, if if for nothing else, it's, you just never know. And so rather than have your entire life turned upside down and making something, you know, making it worse than it has to be, this is the reason to do it. I love that you said that. Um, what had happened was you were prepared for the storm. Going back to it, you, mm-hmm. you had already gone through all the hard work while things were normal. Yes. And, and here's what most people do. They make their plans based on best case scenarios. Mm-hmm. So they buy their house with no money left in the bank with the best case scenario of, I'm, I'm not going to get sick and I'm not going to lose my job and I'm never going to get divorced. Right. right? And yeah. that's a bad choice. I mean, that's, that's just where, what, what my opinion is. Um, but you guys did the heavy lifting about 18 months going into mm-hmm. that. And so it, when you have this kind of double touch of life, right? right. Life happens. Uh, yeah. um, then you were prepared. And what's really cool for me to see just as a friend is your net worth is actually significantly higher here a couple of years later. It is even with that crazy. happening. It is significantly Crazy. better, which is which is the the name of the game. And it's the whole thing. Right? It's like getting our survival number down and being able to save. I mean, yep. it's just everything. So, um, yeah, cool real things. life stuff. Real life. Yeah, and well, there'll be a link for uh, donating money to uh, getting rid of type one diabetes yeah. on this as well. So, yeah, on that note. Um, I, I heard there's an anonymous donor that might be throwing some money at people that throw money at the cause. So please throw some money in. Do it, um, do but outside it. of that, uh, to wrap this last uh, piece up, when you're looking at the the personal family budget and you get through that that savings goal and the savings percentage, one other thing that that uh, a spiritual mentor of mine helped me with was um, you'll get more out of life when you do more for others, oh, right? Man. So there's also the opportunity to have a giving goal, mm-hmm. and I think giving goals, and this is not specifically tied to, to type one, but in life, I do believe that. Um, if you're blessed that you need to bless others yeah. uh, and 
Um, so having a specific and measurable giving goal that you're chasing every year is, uh, helps you fight the, the, the good fight in your budget as well, because if you're making promises to help certain people out, organizations out, yeah. uh, charities out with, with their budgetary needs, then it need, mean it puts some more emphasis on why you might be budgeting in the first place. And, um, I think that is often missed. uh, A couple years back, I remember I had a specific sales goal, you know, a specific sales goal. And I was talking to my pastor and my pastor was, was, could tell I'd missed that goal three years in a row. And, um, I remember that, uh, he was, he noticed I was upset. He said, why are you upset? And, and, um, I told him, he said, well, dude, you understand that the reason why you're missing your sales goal is because you, you're not focused on the right thing. Start focusing on what you're going to do for everybody else. If you hit that sales goal, and tell everyone else that you're going to do that if you hit the sales goal. And if you focus on that, that, then I promise you, you're going to work a lot harder to make sure you hit those numbers because it's working for everybody else. I just think that's so cool. And from a sales perspective, you know, once you are in sales for a long time and you've consistently hit those goals and you've accomplished really cool things, like switch it up, switch up what you're chasing. I think that's, yes. And I just, you know, that is something that, you know, obviously you have taught us, um, or, or at least introduced into our lives and, um, starting really small. And I mean, I remember the first year we were like, we are the, from the first to the second year, we were like, we doubled our say, like what we gave to charity, you know? And, um, it wasn't a huge number, but it felt so good yep. that one, we knew what the number was to start with for the year before, but Two, that we were able to focus on it yep. and look for opportunities. I think that's the key is you start looking. Yeah. I've, 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 I've decided I'm going to give away this much yeah. money. So you don't look at those requests the same way. You're like, oh, cool. This is so an like, opportunity for me to yeah. throw some money in. You yeah, know? it's really, really, really cool. And something that, um, again, when you learn about it, then you start kind of noticing it around you more often. Yep. And when I hear that somebody is doing that or shares with me that they have that type of goal. It's just, um, it just kind of sheds an entirely different perspective and light, um, on that, on that person. So I love that. And I know we're running a little bit out of time. So I'm going to finish up with why that is so important. So everyone has probably heard about the idea of Pavlov's dogs, right? Uh, um, uh, I'm sorry. We're going to delete that. It's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like uh, yeah, no, that, that's the, uh, the, uh yeah, the rats? It, it works that way too. <laughs> um, we're going to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, the, if you look at it and you apply it to money, like let's just apply the hierarchy of needs to money, then it really can give you some, uh, perspective on why what we're talking about really encourages better behavior, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, food, water, shelter is important. We already talked about survival number that mm-hmm. you got to pay the bills. You got to keep a house over yeah. your head or you're homeless, right? Yeah. You gotta feed the kids or they die. Like yeah. that's how it works, right? Mm-hmm. But at some point, people are doing enough with whatever bad or good savings habits they have to pay the bills. Right. Okay. So now that's not why I'm working anymore and that's not why I'm budgeting anymore. The next thing is it's a stuff thing, right? Yeah. So now I'm motivated because if I then I'll is usually the conversation. If I earn blank or if I save blank, I'll buy blank, right? When I uh, accomplish this, get this job, get this raise, then I'll buy this purse. Sure, yeah. Right. And that goes on for a while for a lot of people. It's a motivation around money for a lot of people until it's not. 
you know, and whether that's because it's, you finally realize like that's all empty stuff or when your spouse finally says, I don't want to buy you on Christmas. It's because you buy yourself everything, right? Right. That's not a motivation to budget, right? Um, the third motivation though is competition. And it's an interesting one. It's for the love of the game, right? Like it's just a change of focus of, okay, I don't really need to buy anything, but you know, I wonder if I really can do this thing that Josh said about save 30%. So let's just move the needle from 20 to 22 to 28 to Mm -hmm. let's see if we can really get to 30% because I know I should. Right. And the opposite of that is wasting the blessings I was given Mm -hmm. because I can't account for all this money that's just going the wayside. Right. Which is a waste of God's blessings in my opinion. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, The other piece too is, um, this has come up every once in a while or a couple of times. Uh Um, not everybody's super motivated by money. That's right. And so if, That's what you attach it to. Right. And so if you have a salesperson, as an example, that is not, that money is not their motivation, Mm -hmm. helping them find a way to, what can you do with it? it? That you don't have to put it in your bank account and and use it. You can give it away. So that's another way to. Yep. So that competition is that third level of motivation. Uh, The fourth level of motivation that most people get to, unfortunately late, is crap, I don't want to work forever. So it's yeah. retirement. <laughs> like at some point, it's financial freedom is the word we use openly. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you get in a relationship with money because you want it to be a means to an end, mm-hmm. right? Like I want to retire by age 65 or be able to retire by whatever age, right? Uh, and that works until you can retire earlier can than retire, that, yeah. right? And so the last one is it's about everybody else. Mm-hmm. And the about everybody else is I want to work because what I can do with the money for the planet, for the community, for my friends, for my family that I can't do if I just blow holes in my bank account, give it, you know, spending money on stupid stuff, right? right? Um, and so the reason I brought that up is it, I get that money is emotional for a lot of people. So if you're trying to find those ways out of uh, uh, making it a negative emotion into what I can do positively with that emotion, it's getting the money associated with the right motivation. Yeah. Like for you right now, is it past food, water, shelter? Yes, mm-hmm. you've been able to do very well, right? Mm-hmm. Is it right now about the stuff for you? Mm, not so much. I mean, sometimes, yeah. some, there, sometimes, sure, that's it, a fair answer. It, it does, it does change. It does change, yep. and you know, some, t- and, and this is what it really looks like for mm-hmm. me. There will be something that I have my eye on mm-hmm. for a little while, and so then it's a I'm going to work towards that, or I'm going to save towards that. that, and then once that is fixed or accomplished or whatever, then yeah. So that's really more what it looks like for me, I would say. So how often are you in competition at this point? Probably need to be more. I mean, I would say right now, very, very, very heavily, Okay. very heavily. So this went, um, we talked, it was April and we, um, as a team talked about what your why is. And so really what, you know, why are you getting up and working and, and doing all the things that we're doing? And, you know, I've become super passionate about JDRF and helping spread the word Mm -hmm. and not just, and not just dollars, awareness and education, because there's just not enough about it. Well, that's even level five. You're talking about, about others right there. Oh, that's a better focus point. I love it. Okay, cool. I'm at a five. (laughs) I'm I'm 35. I'm at a five. So, but I realized that I have been gifted with a platform that gets to talk to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you look at the real estate community alone, right. And so 
that is a gift that I need to utilize. Mm -hmm. And I have the ability to reach. I have the reach that can really make an impact. So the why is I need to get in and see how big I can make my platform because then I can have a bigger impact on what we're doing to find a cure. Love that. I love that. Well, I hope this was a helpful uh, episode for you guys. If you have any questions, obviously reach out to us, but uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time.